Support for this show is brought to you by Instill. Our friends at Instill really understand what it means to build and manage relationships in a holistic and human-first way. The platform's advanced UX design and real-time analytics, smooth donor management to make it easy for you to connect every supporter to the impact of your work. To learn more, head on over to www.instill.io backslash Mallory. Because if you have people that are excited about crypto and you're not able to push past your own fears of taking a risk or being rejected to get that, they're going to give it to someone else. Welcome back to episode 46 of What The Fundraising. I'm your host, Mallory Erickson, and this podcast is for impact leaders and change makers who are looking to fundamentally change the way they lead and fundraise. This episode is made possible by our friends at Pledge. In today's episode, I'm interviewing Veronica Hash. Veronica is the manager and strategist for belonging at Coinbase, a company that operates a cryptocurrency exchange platform. And if you know nothing about cryptocurrency going into this conversation, you are not alone. Veronica and I go back a few years when we were both in very different roles, and I loved hearing about her evolution into this new role and her personal story with cryptocurrency. She shares how her success with crypto opened up opportunities for her and her family and required her to face some hard beliefs she held about money. She walks us through some personal reflections about money, wealth, and prosperity, as well as how we should be thinking about crypto and money movement from a social justice and nonprofit fundraising perspective. There is a lot of wisdom in this episode on many different levels, so let's dive in so you can meet Veronica. Welcome, everyone. I am so excited to be here today with my old friend, Veronica Hash. Veronica, thank you for joining me on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. This is awesome. So I'm excited to have you just because of the human that you are, and I know the work that is at your core, but I was really excited to hear about this new role that you have just taken on. And just tell everyone a little bit about what it is that you do, what role you're in, and what brought you to that. I am the manager for belonging at Coinbase, which is our, you know, DEI, equity and inclusion program. And I've been managing it for about a year. It's been fantastic. I've been at Coinbase for two years. And for those of you who don't know, Coinbase is actually a cryptocurrency uh, platform. And it's really, in my opinion, (laughs) one of the most trusted, easiest to use platforms. And we really um, have a mission where we want to increase economic freedom in the world. So that underlines everything that we do, whether it's products that we make or different geographies that we go into, we really want to make sure that uh, crypto is available for as many people as possible. And then for me, I ended up here, basically, just the universe always opens those doors. And I know, you know, both of us have that spiritual background. And I think for me, after I left my dream job, which was working at Pandora uh, Music in, in Oakland, California, I was pregnant with the second kid. And I realized I didn't want to go back to being an executive assistant. It was a really uh, 24-7 type of life. And, you know, I, I didn't think I'd be able to balance that. And a recruiter reached out to me about Coinbase. And I already had 
a great experience with crypto and Bitcoin. I'll tell you more about that in a little bit. And it was awesome because I felt like it was perfectly aligned with everything I wanted to do. I was going to have a lot more autonomy and freedom. I was going to be able to work from home sometimes. This was even pre-pandemic. And I was working for a company that I knew I believed in the mission, but I also believed in the product itself. And it was just all a great culmination. Okay. So imagining that some people are coming to this conversation, have heard the word cryptocurrency, but maybe know only a limited amount beyond that. Can you just give us like the 101 of what is crypto? It can be really overwhelming for folks that are new to think like, okay, it's too complicated. I don't want to get involved. It's basically digital money. Instead of you going to your, you know, your ATM, pulling out your bank card and getting cash, you can use cryptocurrency just the same way. So it's built on this underlying technology called the blockchain, which is, it's a unique way for a technology to cut out the middleman. So for instance, if you're just using a regular banking system, you know, you have to pay all these fees, has to go through all these different intermediaries, but with blockchain, it just goes from one user to another user directly. Because of that streamlined nature and the open source nature of it, people really feel like they have more ownership over their money and they have more opportunity, especially in countries that are struggling right now. Okay. I have about a million questions about the economics that I'm just going to kind of hold my horses on because what I really want to dive into with you is what does this mean for Coinbase, for a company on the scene to be pushing the envelope in terms of what money looks like, what value looks like, how do we even decide that something is valuable and then how that relates to this position that you're in around creating belonging. Because I love that word. I love that that word is in your title. Can you tell me what does that mean to you when you think about belonging? What does that mean to you? Coinbase is obviously a for-profit company, right? You know, we are building products that ultimately we want to increase economic freedom in the world, but also to we're a business. We have to think about the bottom line and we have to really make sure that the technology that we build and the people that we bring in actually help us advance towards those causes. So for me, belonging is the portion of what I can kind of control. There's all kind of stuff going on all the time outside of these walls, let's just say. What I'm tasked with and what belonging means to me is when someone comes in the doors of Coinbase, whether they're a contractor a vendor, a full-time employee, someone that we're interns that we're bringing in fresh out of college, they should have an experience where they feel like they belong here and that they can do their best work here. So whether that's supporting them through employee resource groups or pairing them up with new buddies once they start, like we really want to make sure that there's that connection. And especially in the remote world, like belonging takes on even more of a front and center Uh, importance because we're not in the office. We're not seeing each other every day. So how do we make sure that that continues on? And that's really what I do on a day-to-day basis. How much of your work is rooted in the why behind Coinbase in terms of creating belonging? Do you focus on the identity of people committed to economic freedom? Like, is that at the core of bringing people together? 
You know what? Our mission is really the core of bringing people together. Actually, our CEO has definitely made it clear publicly that we are a mission-focused company, and there's a lot of great causes that we can be involved with. And we've decided that this is the one that we are going to focus on. It is at the core of everything that we do. I think where the little differentiation lies is that once you are here and you're working here, you don't always feel like you're necessarily attached to the mission. You got to do reports. You might be doing coding. So it's like, how do you keep that mission first kind of mindset? And I think that's where our program comes in. And also our Coinbase giving program comes in because it reminds people like, okay, there's a, there's a real human side behind everything that we're doing. It's good to have that reminder. I feel like when you're so busy and your head's down, just trying to get the work done. I think it's really interesting mission focused for-profit businesses and the role that they can play in doing good. You know, I feel like when I was graduating college, it was kind of like, well, if you want to do good things in the world, you go into nonprofit. And otherwise, all these other sectors, you're going to probably be partially destroying the world. That has really changed in so many ways. And so it's fascinating to me when I think about a company who is really rooted in a powerful mission that is about more than the bottom line. And they have to balance that with the bottom line needs of being a for-profit company. And then how they decide to set up programs like Coinbase Giving and partnerships with other nonprofits when they decide what's going to be a part of their core ethos versus done in partnership or in their giving through other departments. I agree. I remember because, you know, I have this history of nonprofit and that's how you and I met. I always felt that if I left the nonprofit world, I would be selling my soul, right? Going to corporate. And I remember a mentor that I had, she said, you can do a lot of good in corporate because they have resources, they have money. (laughs) And as you know, that's always what nonprofits are trying to figure out. How do we keep funding? You know, how do we get the money? How do we get the grants? How do we ask for it? And and that's what your platform is all about. When I made the jump to corporate, I realized that I had an opportunity and I could also do it in a way that wasn't as intense because when you're in nonprofit all the time, it can get heavy. And that heaviness was weighing on me so much to the point where I didn't want to do this type of work at all anymore because I felt like I couldn't balance the kind of emotional weight that social justice can carry with it, right? So once I kind of backed away from the work and I was like, okay, I'm just going to kind of keep my head down and make some good money and start a family, raise some kids and all that. And then when the opportunity came back up through Coinbase to start looking at belonging and inclusion and diversity, I realized, oh, okay, I can do it through this other vehicle and I can still be as effective, maybe if not more, because I'm in the room and I'm in the environments with those folks that have all of those resources. Okay. So tell me a little bit about Coinbase Giving. Coinbase Giving is an amazing program. I work very closely with the program managers and the director of Coinbase Giving. And when I have to say these are some amazing humans, they are absolutely amazing. So the program itself was started last year and was it last year, 2021, late 2020, right around there. Who knows what's anymore. (laughs) I know. Oh my gosh. It is so true. It is so true. Anyways, the program spun up as an opportunity for Coinbase to 
really focus on nonprofits and other entities that were really doing things amazing with crypto to advance mm -hmm. the mission of increasing economic freedom. So we didn't want to tie up the business with that. So when they started Coinbase Giving, it was really great because it gave me as an employee an opportunity to be like, wow, look at what my company is doing. This is great. And now that I work so closely with them and I see the type of programs that they're funding, the most recently they funded crypto donations for Haitian refugees. So basically, when you're in a country that has a really hard time with the economic system, you can use crypto to kind of bypass that, send them the money directly, and they're not having to deal with issues with the banks or corruption or just so many plethora of other things. Even just sometimes getting to a bank can be difficult for people. I think that Coinbase giving is probably the next wave. If your corporate company doesn't have something like that, I'm sure that it'll be coming soon because it's an opportunity to really put your money where your mouth is and really do right. I think that they're doing an outstanding job and they're continuously looking for more people and more nonprofits to donate to. So the nonprofits that they're looking to partner with sounds like it's part of the same overarching mission. And so it's sort of figuring out, okay, where are there still gaps in how we as an entity, because we are still a for-profit business, like where are the gaps in terms of how economic freedom is being realized? And those gaps we're going to fill with philanthropic crypto. I mean, to me, that alignment just feels so clear, right? It's not like, okay, yeah, we're doing this thing over here. And then our founder cares about these other three random things. And so our giving is over here. And my guess is that really does create, even when you think about the internal community at Coinbase, some really powerful storytelling and connections for folks who are doing that daily grind work where maybe they are feeling disconnected from the mission, but they get to be reminded of that through this integrated program. Yeah, alignment is so key. I mean, in any organization, I don't care if you have 10 employees or if you have 10,000 employees. And when you are aligned and focused, really, really focused on what you want to do, you're willing to take the time that it takes to get there. You know, these things don't happen overnight instantly. It is amazing. I think this is the most focused company I think I've ever worked for. That helps me. It helps me on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, where I'm going, what I'm supposed to be doing, helping me look at my annual planning, even for the year. And then this is something that I think everybody is working on or learning how to do is to prioritize. Because when you have so many good things that you can do, but you're just one person or one team or one business, you have to put that focus in place or you really will find yourself burning out. Okay. I want to go back to something you said at the beginning around part of your reason for going to Coinbase was because of your own personal experience with crypto being really positive. Can you tell me more about that? I would love to. So my crypto story is so exciting. Uh, this was what, 2013? It was a while ago. My husband used to be in the stock exchange and I was, gosh, what was I doing? I think I was still teaching dance. So I was teaching dance to kids and trying to make it in the Bay Area, my little dance career. He was a server. So we didn't have very much money at all. And we decided he had been reading up about Bitcoin and he said, you know, let's just 
take a gamble and let's just buy some Bitcoin. And I think it was maybe $3,000 worth, something like that, which was a lot for us back then. We're like, okay. And we just decided, okay, we're just going to forget about it, leave it in Coinbase and see what happens. 2017, 2018, there was a big, what they call bull run. And what that means is that the price like skyrockets and it becomes really lucrative to have Bitcoin. And we cashed out. We were like, wow, let's do it. So we ended up making a good amount of money and being able to buy our first house in the Bay Area, which is like a huge deal. It's very expensive, as you know. Then we had saved a couple of them. We'd saved a couple of Bitcoin. And then we bought, when it drops down, right? That's the bear market, when it drops down and that's when the panic sets in and people are like, oh my gosh, it's like, ah, crash down the cliff. But we just bought it really low again at the bottom and then we just rode it back up and then it happened again and we sold again and we got a bigger house and now we're in our third house. And it's really amazing to me because I was never an investor I barely had a savings account. I was a a starving artist for sure. And so years later to be at the place where I am because of a small investment in cryptocurrency, it's just mind blowing. So that's why when Coinbase, it became an opportunity for me to work here, I absolutely knew that this was the right place for me. That's amazing. For people who say, oh, I missed it. I missed the opportunity with crypto. What would you say to that? So no, you didn't. Here's the deal. There's a lot of different cryptocurrencies besides Bitcoin. Bitcoin is expensive. I think it's like $41,000 today for one Bitcoin. So yeah, most people don't have that laying around. You don't have to buy a whole Bitcoin. You can buy part of it. But there's also other cryptocurrencies that are much more affordable. So especially if you just download the Coinbase app and you take a look and see what are the kind of cryptocurrencies are within your budget, and they're going to move. There's some that are meme coins or whatever, like Doge, and it's not really going to make you that much money. But there's other ones that have the potential to really be lucrative in the next couple of years. It's not too late. Definitely not too late. I want to connect this back to what I think you said before, which is that Coinbase is those companies, anyone they're going to find on the Coinbase app has been vetted by Coinbase. So there's a certain amount of security because I think that's one of the uncertain things, right? For folks is they're like, I don't know, or like I'm on the more conservative side financially, right? And we definitely should have. I mean, my husband was like asked to mine Bitcoins back in the day and turned it down. So I've just decided decided in my mind that if he had done that, it would have set him on a different life trajectory and he would have never met me and, and I'm better than the Bitcoin. <laughs> you are so much better than the Bitcoin. I agree. This is how I rationalize I like that. this. I like it. I know. Think think of it that way. I love the idea of thinking about, okay, there are actually, just for people to sort of understand that like, yes, there's lots of cryptocurrencies and then, but having a partnership or account with a company like Coinbase, that really helps secure the portfolio of options that you're looking at. And then just like anything, like with stock, yeah, there are penny stocks and then there are stocks that have the potential to bring in a lot more money and they're super expensive stocks like Google and Amazon that might be out of your range, but it doesn't mean everything is out of your range. 
I love that. That's totally it. I, you, you just really nailed it. That's funny to hear about your, your husband. And I love the way that you've thought about it because we all may feel like there's opportunities that we've missed in life or things that we've passed by. I really believe that things have a way of coming back to you if they're meant to be. So even if someone is listening to this podcast right now and they're like, oh my gosh, I should have done this. I should have done that. We'll do it now. Start now. And that's really with anything in your life, right? It doesn't matter if it's cryptocurrency or you want to travel more or you want to start a family or start putting yourself on the path to where you want to be and you'll get there. There's something I want to explore that I don't have totally fleshed out in my own head, but there's this piece around the way that I feel like crypto embodies this sense of abundance that we don't see in other forms of currency, perhaps in the same way. And it has the potential to also have those scarcity feelings around, I missed it. There isn't enough. Bitcoin's so expensive right now. I think what's so interesting about the rise of crypto is just this rise in asset, this rise in wealth. And I think sometimes what can hold back the nonprofit sector so much is this belief that there's such a fixed amount of opportunity. There's so much of the nonprofit mindset that is stuck based on how foundations fund. Yeah. Okay. The foundation funds a set amount of money every year. And that's it. And so we orient so many of our other fundraising practices around that set of beliefs. What we see with individual giving is just not the same at all. We see generosity rise. We see the potential market for nonprofit fundraising increase. And crypto to me represents, as we've seen this boom in the economics in terms of personal wealth. To me, that also really indicates the potential for a boom in the funding, in the amount of funding available to the nonprofit sector. If folks can start to see past the fixed number mindset. And I'm just curious what you think about that. First T of Greater Akron needed to switch from an outdated donor management system to something more user-friendly. With Bloomerang, they found that and more. Executive Director Josh Smith commented, We love Bloomerang. It saved time. It's helped us raise more funds. By investing in a donor database that they actually loved using, First Tee of Greater Akron was able to raise more funds and continue creating lasting change in their community. To listen to the full interview with First Tee of Greater Akron, visit bloomerang.com backslash what the fundraising or click the link in the show notes. I think that it also ties really nicely to what you were saying about the the fear of, is this a safe place for me to go and fundraise? Is this a safe place to try and get money from? There's a safety in what you've already done before. You know the foundation, you just go to them. You may have been even working with the same person for years. You know they're going to give you that amount and you can just not have to live in the fear and the anxiety of the unknown. That ties in really well with a company or like ours, which does really try to say, okay, we're going to vet, we're going to work with regulators in different countries so that we are really trying to abide by those laws and those rules and not just be the wild, wild west out there. There's something to be said about not just going in blindly, like, okay, yay, there's free money out there. Yeah, there's money out there, but you still want to be wise with who you partner with. Because at the end of the day, if you partner with someone that's 
unscrupulous in the cryptocurrency world, then eventually whatever it is, your people that you're serving or whoever you're trying to help through your nonprofit are going to be affected. So you definitely want to be wise and you want to do your research going in. But I think that there is abundance here. And I think it's kind of like on one hand, you have the wisdom to really make sure you're working with the right people. But on the other hand, you do have to have a little bit of willing to take a risk and willing to just try. And that's at the root of fundraising anyways, right? Because you have to take a risk and try or you run the risk of running out of resources. <laughs> it, it is a shift in mindset. And I think that if folks are more willing to at least just do the research, at least just start looking into it, I think they'll be pleasantly surprised to see that there's a lot of people that are doing good with cryptocurrency and they would be happy to partner with them. Yeah, I love that. And we're seeing in the tech space growing partnerships around being easy for nonprofit profits to accept crypto, although crypto is kind of inherently the point is it it's easy. <laughs> <laughs> to transfer money. It's even easier to even understand it, I think, which is always helpful. My interesting question would be, because I know that you said that you do have a good amount of women and those identifying as women as your guests on the show. So do you think there's anything inherently maybe more challenging for women in particular with crypto? Because uh, the majority of the fundraising in these nonprofit organizations is being done by women then we want to make sure that we're talking about and addressing that issue so that they're increasing their comfort level to even go into the room and ask for those cryptocurrency donations. Such a good question. I think this relates to a lot of other, this isn't unique to crypto, but I think in general, the perfectionism tendencies that we see in women leaders in the space and the desire to feel like an expert in any area that they bring up in conversation is a trend that we definitely see. I do a lot of work with fundraisers around releasing perfectionism and sort of figuring out how to show up into fundraising conversations aligned in your highest values and looking for alignment from your donors, but recognizing that perfectionism is an illusion. But we see this all the time with stock donations, right? We see, I hear fundraisers all the time saying, that they don't want to bring up stock donations because they don't understand exactly how they work or the impact it's going to have on taxes and all these things. And I actually think the biggest barrier is just releasing the narrative that you do need to know everything about it. And instead just being able to say things like, hey, we're making an effort over here to accept assets in a variety of different ways. And I'm curious about your interest in investing cash versus crypto versus stock. And do you need some additional resources or support from me and materials that I'd love to go collect to facilitate that for you? Oh my gosh. Releasing perfectionism. Yes. I like to call myself a recovering perfectionist. Me because, too. Oh my gosh. It is, it is so true. It is so true. You do not want to feel like you don't know what you're talking about. Like to be able to say in a, you know, I actually don't know, but I can find out, you know? So that's really good that that's, you're working at like the root of the issues because then we can really start making change by leaps and bounds and see folks just jumping ahead. I think that that's important, not only in fundraising, but just really in any field, it's that, it's that mentorship, right? It's that coaching. It's, it's helping you to get past your own sort of blind spots and, and, you know, baggage that we just carry around with us for sure. So absolutely. Yeah, totally. And I feel like so many of those things go unexamined by us. We go into the room and we're like, 
well, I should know everything about crypto before I bring it up with a donor. But when you really start to think about it, you're like, why? Why should you know everything about crypto? If you ask your friend to go to dinner, do you need to have, before you make that ask, a list of restaurants and their distance from them and exactly what's on the menu and the hours that they're open and give them some whole big spreadsheet of like the options and the, no, you don't. You can say, Hey, are you interested in going to dinner? And then let's figure out that other piece later. But there are certain things, particularly where money is concerned, because money brings up so much deep vulnerability, which is what landed me in this work really was as doing executive coaching for women while I was personally fundraising. And when I took that step back and realized like, what are some of the most vulnerable daily experiences that I'm having? They were in fundraising conversations. And I just felt like, where is there the space to talk about that? To say, hey, talking about money, asking for things as a woman, the woman piece plays into that a lot, right? Peacekeeping, cooperation, all the things we're biologically programmed. And then we've been told for generations and generations, women, that it's inappropriate to talk about money. And then we find ourselves in positions where we're supposed to be talking about money. We're super uncomfortable. And we think that's our fault. We're like, oh, I'm just a bad fundraiser because I feel uncomfortable fundraising. It's like, no, you feel uncomfortable fundraising because women have since the beginning of time been told not to talk about money because there's all this stigma around giving in the nonprofit sector. There's all these, I've been taking on my phone recording when I see fundraising come up in movies or TV shows, always in a negative light. I call it fundraising in the wild, but there's always this little stigma, this little negative connotation around fundraising. And that's why we feel the way that we feel. And so you don't need to go into a conversation totally knowing everything about crypto. You need to go into that conversation, recognizing that bringing up crypto is not doing anything wrong. It's giving your donor an opportunity to explore other ways of giving and investing in their values. The fundraising, the vulnerability, that's just the truth. I think that vulnerability has played a really big role in my personal growth and success because there's something very endearing when you're willing to talk about or reveal what other people are already thinking and feeling anyways. And it it creates a connection, which is what is part of fundraising, right? Making that connection. And I was speaking with a young a young entrepreneur and I was talking with her about fundraising and I actually gave her your podcast and your, you know, your links and stuff that you sent me. And she said it was really helpful because she was going to go into the room with Microsoft. You could like, that's a big deal, right? That's a lot of money on the table. And she was nervous, understandably. And I told her, well, you'd have to remember at the end of the day, do you believe in what you're doing? Do you really believe that this is something important in the world and you want to make it happen? Then that is what you lead with. Don't worry about not having all the other things. And this is your passion and this is what you believe in and letting that vulnerability out rather than just feeling like you have to have the spreadsheets, you have to have the data. Yeah, you need to have that stuff too. But it's that connection that resonates with people and gets them to open up their wallets and to donate. I'm a big fan of vulnerability in all areas. 
Yeah. And even knowing that you're a human too. And it's interesting, this spreadsheet piece, because I remember interviewing this venture funder once, and he said, men walk into the room and they're like, I'm worth $20 million. So my company is worth $20 million, you know, for seed funding. And then women walk into the room and they're like on slide 20, line six, you'll see exactly. And the guy was sort of like, listen, this is seed funding. We're all taking risks here. What I need to know is how aligned you are with your mission. Are you living and breathing it and how much you believe in it and the confidence you carry around that. And it's interesting because there's so many cultural systemic issues that prevent kind of killed me a little bit here. You fund based off confidence. There are certain people who are going to present much more confidently, particularly by your standards of confidence. And that's going to continue to allocate money towards certain people and not towards others, which is a whole other issue. But I think for my zone of impact, it's really focusing on, okay, how do we help elevate the voices and the experiences of other people so that they can walk into the room and not talk about slide 20 line six, but be able to live in alignment with everything else. I'm curious about the role you think crypto can have when we think about the economic freedom and perhaps, you know, redistribution of wealth in certain aspects. How do you see crypto being able to perhaps correct for power imbalances that the banking system and all that bureaucracy continues to operate through systems of oppression, frankly? Well, I think there's a lot of good case studies and examples when you look at different countries. If you're looking at a country, maybe a South American country that is dealing with inflation at levels that are make it impossible to live, right? Or you have a government that has decided that they're going to take your money. They're going to freeze your money. And it's because you're a part of some political class that maybe they don't really agree with, right? So you're dealing with the losing control and it's not your fault that you live in a country where that's going on. It's not your fault that the leadership and power has decided that they want to be tyrants. Sometimes you just have to deal with what cards you're given. Cryptocurrency cuts out all of those people who might be getting their hands in the pocket and wheeling and dealing behind the scenes and makes you the owner, the broker of your own wealth. And that's where that's the game changing aspect of cryptocurrency. And some countries are getting wise to that. There's countries that are saying, hey, we are going to actually make it really easy for people to use crypto. We're going to make it a legal tender in the entire country. And you're seeing in some of these places where they've had so many difficulties with the traditional system, people saying, okay, well, that doesn't work. Let's try something different. And they're, they're getting good results. I really like what you said before too. And I think it relates to this piece around risk. And I think this is related to fears around rejection and back to that perfectionist piece, but continue to do the same types of fundraising activities year after year. But I bet they could even find a donor who would help fund a crypto initiative because the donors are excited about what's happening in this space too. And there are certain donors who really love investing in innovation and riskier opportunities because of the exponential potential, you know, that's possible. 
Yeah, when you said exponential potential, it's absolutely true. I think if you have an opportunity to poll your donors and find out those who are interested in the crypto space and even just have like a round table or something. And before you even get into the ask, finding out what are they interested in, get the conversation going, and then you can go back to the table and, and come up with some great plans for the actual fundraising portion of it. Knowing your donors, that's great. That's key. Because if you have people that are excited about crypto and you're not able to push past your own fears of taking a risk or being rejected to get that, they're going to give it to someone else. I think the other thing I'm imagining the fundraiser being, oh, but how could I do a roundtable when I'm not an expert in crypto? But the thing I would encourage people to do is collect questions and do exactly as Veronica is suggesting. And then if your donors are interested in learning more about crypto, if they're not there yet, you can bring in an expert to talk about that. And that's just another resource you're providing. And you don't have to be the expert in that, which I think is so important. Before we have to wrap up, I'm just curious, I want to hear a little bit about how this move into this role and even your work in crypto, how does that impact you as a working mom and even your own experience with or relationship to money and cryptocurrency and how you think about talking to your girls about wealth in that way? I'm just curious all the ways it's impacted you to be in this new world. Yeah, it's changed my life. I mean, it's literally changed my life. I think about money differently. I think about investing differently. I used to be a person that was very afraid of taking a risk when it came to money because I didn't have a lot of money. So I really wanted to keep it close to the vest. And now I've become someone who has a higher tolerance for risk, smart risks, but still a higher tolerance for risk because I've seen the reward and I know it's there and I don't watch the stock market. I just don't. I don't want to take the roller coaster ride of emotion. So I just put the money in there and I just go on about my day-to-day -day life. And when it comes to the way it's impacted my family, I mean, first of all, just being able to provide a quality of life for my children that I would have never been able to do before. I'm able to put the girls in private school, able to make the choice to say, do we want to do the public school down the street or do we want to go and pay for something that we feel like is going to be more aligned to our values, providing the education that we want. Even being able to enjoy life more, right? Being able to travel and all these doors open up when you have money. It's true. It doesn't make you perfect and it doesn't give you all the happiness. It's just another resource to achieve what you want in life. And for me, what I want in life is I want to be happy. I want to be a great mom. I want to love my husband until we're old and gray. I want to take care of my parents. And this crypto and Bitcoin and all of that has allowed me to open my home for my parents to move in with me and, and help give back to them after everything that we've been through over the years. So it's a big deal. And the girls, they're right in it. They talk with their dad all the time. The big thing that we're into right now are NFTs. So we're collecting digital art and the girls are like, oh, daddy, what NFT is that? And they're living the digital world. So in another 10 years, I don't know how far ahead of us they're going to be. This is going to be the norm for them. I definitely think that as a mom, I feel very proud of the choices that we've made as a family and all that I've been able to bring to the table because I've been willing to take some risks. There are so many things I love about what you said. And, but one of the things I kind of want to double click on just for a second is I think sometimes, especially in the nonprofit space, money and wealth get 
demonized a little bit. You don't want to say things about how much money you have or what it allows you to do. And I just think all of those pieces need to change. If we're going to change the way we move money into this sector, if we're going to change the way we show up as fundraisers, that was for me, one of the most mind blowing experiences I had that part of what set me on the journey to here was looking at the relationship between how I was personally handling money and how I was uncomfortable fundraising. And I was watching my own fears around spending money And I was like, oh, well, no wonder I'm so uncomfortable inviting people to give me their money because I am so afraid to spend my own money. And money is such an integrated energy in us and in how we live. And so I think being able to say, yeah, money doesn't fix everything. It won't fix everything. Spoiler alert, it won't fix everything for your nonprofit either. If you are running yourself ragged and not having boundaries and not prioritizing as an organization, we have a narrative that the money is going to solve that problem. It's not true. It's just like what you said, money isn't the solution to everything, but it opens up access. It opens up opportunities and it opens up our personal and organizational ability to achieve our goals. Absolutely. I mean, I could not agree more. There's something to be said about being afraid of prosperity. I mean, I've even gone through this with this house that we built because our company went public last year, which was amazing. Many of us got a big payout and it was like, what's important to us? Our home and and investing in it and making it like this beautiful, comfortable, designed, artistic, all of the things that we are. And it was really hard to just, okay, what are people going to think? Are they going to think we're doing too much and we're all extra and everything? And well, maybe they will, but we're happy, you know, whether we have 3,500 square feet or whether we have 500 square feet, we're still the same people. We're still going to open our doors and welcome people in and love them and give them a great time. But now we just get to do it in a little nicer way. And I'm not mad about that, (laughs) but it is, it's a mind shift. It really is. Even today to just be able to be like, we've been blessed. This is the abundance that I asked for and prayed for and cried over for many years. And now it's here. And now I'm going to be like, oh no, this is too much. Like, no enjoy it, you know? And I think when you're in that space, it allows other people to get in that space. And then all of a sudden you're surrounded by people that are, are sharing that same prosperity, positivity attitude, and then you're able to inspire others to keep doing it. Okay. I want that to be the last words, but tell everyone where they can find you. And then if you are interested in connecting with folks, and then I always invite people to talk about or lift up one nonprofit that they love that we sort of give a little spotlight and shout out to? Oh, that's awesome. So I can be found on LinkedIn. That's probably the best way to find me, Veronica Hash. That's part of Coinbase. So you can look me up there and definitely connect. I'm happy to chat. If I was going to lift up one nonprofit, I would lift up this soccer program, esports program that I've been a part of for many years. It's called eSoccer, and it's actually started out in the Bay Area, but it's all over the world now. And it's a really great program where kids get to play together in an inclusive environment, kids that have special needs, kids that don't, and they get to play soccer together, and they get to learn great life skills, get build lifelong relationships, and that's something that I'm really passionate about. So eSoccer.org, check it out. Awesome. Okay. We'll have all the links below and thank you so much for joining me for this conversation today.
This was so much fun. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It was so fun. I'm not going to lie. I ended this episode and went and signed up for Coinbase. I really loved learning about what the company stands for, the potential solutions that crypto offers, and I also loved learning about the way Veronica and Coinbase think about belonging. There was so much in this episode that I loved, but there are a few things I want to put a pin in. Number one, on a personal level, you aren't shut out of crypto. It's not too late. Don't let scarcity mindset get in the way of your own financial freedom. And remember, your personal experience with money, your personal money stories are directly connected to how you feel as a fundraiser. And number two, when it comes to fundraising with crypto, this is an area where we really need to release perfectionism and recognize that it is actually perfectionism that's holding us back. You aren't going to know everything about crypto and that's okay. You don't even really need to know much at all. In fact, not knowing a whole lot yourself gives you an incredible opportunity. If you have donors who are intrigued by crypto but lack education, you can provide it by finding the resources they need. Collect questions, set up roundtables, offer up experts as a resource. This is a great way to support your donors. All right, there is so much more amazing knowledge from this episode, so head on over to MalloryErickson.com backslash podcast to get access to all the show notes right now. You'll also find more information there about Veronica and Coinbase. Thank you for spending this time with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love it if you would give it a rating and review and share it with a friend. I am so grateful for all of my listeners and the good hard work you're doing to make our world a better place. And if you miss me between episodes, stop by and say hello on Instagram under what the fundraising underscore. Have a great day and I'll see you next week. Hey you, I hope you're loving all the free value you're getting right now from our guest. And speaking of free value, I've raised millions in the nonprofit space without sacrificing my integrity or my alignment. And I'm sharing how I did it in my free webinar, how to harness the power of prioritization to raise more without burning out. Go to MalloryErickson.com backslash workshop to register for the free training right now. I cannot wait to see you there.